With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You know what? There seems to be a lot of people who have a lot of significant opinions about a guy or two that you had never heard of two weeks ago because Matt Eberflus has been hired as the head coach of the Chicago Bears and all these nuanced takes coming out of the woodwork with people on Twitter being like, dude, he's got the same first name as Matt Nagy. He obviously sucks. I am so tired. Like at some point, you know, the opinions of sports fans were once corralled by phone screeners and you would barely hear them on AM talk radio. And now everybody on Twitter gets to have an opinion and come be like, this is a terrible hire. We should have, the Bears should have gone with an offensive minded head coach. Yeah. Like somebody like, I don't know, Mark Tressman. Somebody like, uh, I don't know, Matt Nagy. Like these coaching hires are never guaranteed. And I think that's the one thing that people need to understand. Nothing is guaranteed. Now, hopefully the Bears went out there, did their due diligence, and Matt Aberflus is going to come in and absolutely rock it. I like it because I think he's got a lot of potential. When you look at the Colts' defense since 2018, it has been very good. They are 10th in points allowed, 10th in yards allowed, 4th against rushing. They are second in takeaways. And think about Lovey Smith and what made those defenses so great was their ability to create turnovers. And if Everflues comes in there and changes his defense back around, I'm, a, I'm in favor for it. I'm in favor of it. And here's my thing. We still don't know who the offensive coordinator is going to be. This could actually be a home run hire. This is the one where everybody should be concerned. If you see Joe Brady come in as the offensive coordinator, then we can get a then then we can be bummed out about that. But until that happens, I wish everybody would just embrace the newness. We have a guy who's paid his dues, who's been very successful on the NFL level. I think that Sean McDermott, Brandon Staley have both shown that defensive-minded coaches can still let their quarterbacks flourish. So for right now, I need everybody just to get on board. Enjoy the ride. we got a long ways to go before the season kicks off, but we don't have a long time to start the show. So, Sammy, why don't you hit the animation? Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Adam Ray. The sickest Chicago Bears and fantasy football podcast. It's going to be sick. What's up, everybody? Adam Rank here with the Sick Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Now, obviously, some huge news breaking as the Chicago Bears have hired a new head coach. Earlier this week, they hired a general manager 
Uh, both of those tires we'll get to in a couple of minutes here. Uh, but we do have real football going on, and that is one of the things that we had set up for the show is the talk about the tremendous AFC-NFC championship games that are looming for us, and so we're going to pack a lot of that in. Uh, we're going to have J.J. Stankovich joining us here from Colts.com to talk about our new head coach. We'll also talk a little bit about uh, uh, Ryan Poles as well. We're going to have Cash coming in to uh, make a couple of picks for the upcoming games. But right now, I do want to take a, uh, an opportunity because Matt Poles does come from the Kansas City Chiefs organization. So for me, one of the guests that I wanted to bring on today is a friend of mine that we've known each other for well over a decade. We, we cut our teeth in the Orange County comedy scene, although I think he was much more established uh, when I when I came along. He was already a well-respected comedian, touring, doing all that stuff. So it's not fair. I'm bringing him down to my level. He was actually way ahead uh, of my level. You also might know him from WWE television. He was part of the NXT broadcast team, also broadcast 205 Live. He has also just released his own comedy special, special called Physical Therapy, which is available right now. And most importantly, he's a huge Chiefs fan. He's going to be our Chiefs insider. I know he's going to be impartial. He's not going to be, you know, you you won't even know that he's a Chiefs fan. But please welcome to the show right now, Johnny LaQuasto. And, uh, oh, wait a minute. Okay. Yeah. No, no, hold on. I'm, I'm not quite impartial all the way. Now we're ready. There it is. Okay, now. How you doing, now, my friend? I am doing very well. I was thinking about you. Uh, well, a lot. I always think about you. But I... Over the weekend with this Chiefs game, how how is your blood pressure? How are you doing? Have you recovered from Sunday night? Oh, man, I was tachycardic. I'm going to use a medical term there for you. My heart rate was way up. And I'll be honest, after the final Buffalo touchdown, I had gone into mourning. Uh, the best <laughs> way I can describe it is that scene in Big Lebowski when Brant says he's gone into seclusion in the West Wing. <laughs> I had gone exactly. into seclusion. I had sat down. It finally hit me. Uh, I was actually texting with uh, a buddy of mine, uh, his name Matt Lee from Team 2.0 AEW, also lifelong diehard Chiefs fan. I'm from Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. He's from Montreal. It makes no sense, but hey, right. we were both sad. I mean, it's the sadness sunk in. I was like, oh my God, the season is over. They're not going back to the Super Bowl. And 13 seconds left. And I said, it's, it's not possible. Like, Butker's got a big leg, yeah. but he already missed an extra point, already missed a 50-yarder. There's no way Mahomes can do this. And even as they were lining up for the field goal, I'm thinking the natural pessimist in me because, you know, before a couple of years ago, being a Chiefs fan was historically way worse than being a Bears fan. Right, so yes. I'm thinking, all right, well, they got in field goal range, but Butker's not going to hit this. And then he did. And then we won the toss. And I was like, oh, I should, I should have so. hope again. And sure enough, here we are. Feels good. At that point, it was over. Yeah, we, you have experience now winning a Super Bowl recently does that not make it easier to be a fan like I wouldn't know what that's like but doesn't it make it easier to be a fan like that ah, at least we got a title in our back pocket or do you go into every season still being like no I want more I was gonna say you're you're a little too young to remember 1985 <laughs> per se right yeah 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 that's okay. that that doesn't register with me <laughs> okay yeah me neither I I, I could like my dad will talk about it like my uncles will talk about it but like that's not something that like I have firsthand like as an adult or anything like that, being real cognizant of like what it meant to win a Super Bowl. So I didn't get it. Like you, you're yeah. a, you're a, you're a fully functioning adult when your team finally wins the Super Bowl. How does that change your mentality as a fan? It, it actually does a little bit. Once you finally get that first Super Bowl, 
it does make things a little bit easier because you're like, oh, I already had the experience. I was lucky enough to have been at the Super Bowl when they won. So that mm-hmm. was insane. Uh, so it does make it a little bit less heartbreaking. But at the same time, it's like how many teams really have a chance to have a, quote, dynasty over the course of history? Not many. I mean, and, and Kansas City is pretty close. I mean, this is their fourth AFC championship game in a row that they've hosted. Yeah. You know, yeah. and this could be the third Super Bowl in a row that they go to. And so uh, it, it ain't going to be easy. I mean, Cincinnati can do a lot of things. So but they're there. They're there. And that's one of the things that I'm really encouraged by with the Bears going and poaching from the Chiefs organization, taking Ryan Poles from them. Yep. And I know, like, for a lot of fans and a lot of fan bases, like, we know the coaches, we know the players and everything like that. We don't really know a lot about the guys who are in the front office. I, listen, I don't expect you to know everything about him, but, like, what 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 should we expect? What Should Bears fans be encouraged by this hire? Absolutely. So if you're the Bears, you want someone who had to work their way through the ranks. I'm a I, I don't like getting retread people at all. Like yeah. the last thing, like you don't you don't want Scott Pioli. You know what I mean? Like you want someone yeah. who's hungry. Ryan Poles is hungry. He's been with the Chiefs for over a decade. He's worked his way up from position to position to position. He was on the scouting department when they drafted Mahomes. You know, Ryan Poles was part of the reason they drafted up to get Patrick Mahomes. He got to learn under people like John Dorsey, Brett Veach. John Dorsey has proven he knows how to build a team. I mean, it didn't exactly work out with Cleveland, but he sure as hell had a lot of good drafts with Kansas City. Brett Veach, his work has really spoken for itself. Um, and the position he had with Kansas City was 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 really up. He was executive at that point. And right. so he's got that hunger. He's young. He obviously knows talent. And that's everything you want in a general manager. So – I know some Bears fans might be like, oh, man, they're poaching from the Kansas City tree. Sure worked out with Matt Nagy. Yeah, you yeah. know what? I, the I'm, laziest. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little surprised that Matt Nagy floundered as much as he did because I, I always thought he was a, a very good offensive mind, but um, didn't work out. But I think Ryan Poles is a great choice. If you want someone who's hungry and wants to prove himself, I think they got the best option possible. So I would say congratulations to the Bears. They should be excited. I feel like the interview just went like this, where where Ryan just showed up and he's like, "Hey, by the way, everybody, good to meet you. Um, I helped draft Patrick Mahomes." Yeah, that's all you need. <laughs> you know? And that was it. Then he put his feet up on the desk and was like, "Let's talk money." Yeah, well, I let us not forget the Chiefs have a number of players that are contributing. Nick Bolton, second round pick, he looks like a steal now. I mean, they have a lot of players who have really stepped up over the last couple of years that have come directly from their draft and not a lot of teams can say that yeah but but meatball henry on twitter said that he has the same first name as ryan pace so there's no way he can be good i don't know who to believe Mm. i don't know which way to go yeah it's it's hard to trust ryan's from what i've heard historically so i mean he's got a point and i feel too you know uh, i talked about this with draft dr phil on tuesday night during our our take it to the rank q and a is that matt Nagy? actually could have been a successful head coach because I liked a lot of things that he did. I loved his enthusiasm. I loved the club dub. I love that it seemed like he stuck up for his players. His players continued to play hard for him throughout the, his coaching career, even when it looked like he was going to be dismissed at the end of the season. But the problem was is that he wanted to call his own plays. Mm-hmm. And like that to me is like, bro, slow your roll. Let somebody else do that for a couple of years, then take over. So I don't think it's fair to, to cast – the Chiefs in this negative light, especially 
since you're going to your fourth consecutive AFC championship game, which you're hosting. Yeah. And also it's not like everyone off the bill Belichick tree always works out either. It's not always going to be that case. And you know, Matt Nagy, it all starts with a quarterback and, when you don't have a franchise quarterback, when you're pretending that he is a franchise quarterback, you're pretty much going to be dead in the water. No, 100%. So I think that this is a good hire. You think this is a good hire. Um, I am also curious about this weekend. Mm. Tough matchup. I think this is a tough one. Like I go on, people ask me like, Hey, do you think the Bengals have a chance? You're like, the Bengals beat them earlier, so I would I would say that there's a chance. Big time. Uh, how are you feeling about this game heading into uh, Sunday? And by the way, I want to clarify for Bears fans, I'm not referring to Justin Fields. I was referring to the Buffalo Bills backup, who was the starting quarterback previously. Oh, I got you. Okay, good. <laughs> I got you. No, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I, I, if you wouldn't have said that, I wouldn't even – I was thinking the same thing. Okay. Like, I wasn't even thinking about Justin Fields. I, yeah. I think that Justin Fields will be just fine. Very excited to see what he does. Uh, here's the thing. This game is nothing's a gimme in the playoffs, especially the AFC championship. There's two things the Chiefs really have to do. Number one, I think you want to hold Jamar Chase under 600 yards. I think that would be ideal <laughs> for this game. Uh, I think you might, I think Spags might want to double at some point on Jamar Chase. But secondly, you got to get pressure on Joe Burrow. He got sacked nine times by the Titans. Now, the Chiefs got a lot of pressure on Josh Allen. Turns out Josh Allen is just superhuman and is able yeah. to dodge everyone, possibly even better than any quarterback in the league that's not Lamar Jackson, you know? And yeah. he's incredible. But the Chiefs still made him run. They made him uncomfortable. Joe Burrow, uh, other world talent. But we all know he can't scramble out of the pocket. He also had a knee injury in the past. And so if they get pressure on him, Chris Jones, Frank Clark, um, Melvin Ingram has been a godsend. What a trade that has been. I mean, I, I think Melvin Ingram, honestly, has been the defensive MVP the second half of the season because right. you can't double anyone else on that defense. And most importantly, need Honey Badger. And most Chiefs fans would never think we'd say this. We desperately need Rashad Fenton back because yeah. poor Mike Hughes. I, I don't, <laughs> oh boy. It has not gone well for him. No, no. And, and Dan Sorensen cannot be in deep coverage anymore. I, Dirty Dan's had a lot of great plays for the Chiefs at this right. point. No. And so if they can somewhat contain Jamar Chase, granted, they have other great receivers and Joe Mixon's amazing, but they have to get pressure on Joe Burrow that will take away the deep ball and the big play. I'm, I think the offense is going to be the offense. I think Clyde looked better last week than he looked all year. He looked fully uh -huh. rested. He finally looked like the Clyde Edwards Alaire that they drafted. Will he be that in the long run? Who knows? But and then Jarek McKinnon. Oh my God. He looks like a the superstar again. So yeah. Woo, it's gonna be fun. It, it it should be a fun game for sure. How about a prediction from you? Oh no, I never thought about this. I don't like you have been the you do a do a prediction. Oh god, I'm gonna jinx him. I'm gonna say it's gonna be uh, you know what? I'm gonna go now. Football gods, this is just me doing this for entertainment purposes. Uh, I'm not putting this out into the ether. I'm not going to gamble on this. Okay, I just want to cover my jinx. Okay. I'm going to say 38-31. Uh, huh? There it is. That uh, that makes perfect sense. And uh, tell everybody where they can find you. Talk about your comedy special a little bit, too. Oh. Uh, where can we find all this good stuff? Thanks, buddy. First off, I want to say it's good to catch up with you again. We do go back a long way. And I'm going to say this because I know you're too humble to say it. When it comes to hosting for football and sports, when it comes to presenting, when it comes to personality, when it comes to creativity, when it comes to being entertaining, nobody's better 
in the game. I don't care what network than Adam Rank. No, the real ones, no. I'm one of the real ones. I know. You're the people's host, and you always have been. You, like Ryan Poles, have also worked your way up the ranks, knowing how talented you are, just waiting for that moment. And when you got the moment, you had a stranglehold on it. You haven't let go, and I'm very proud of you for that. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Yeah, of course. Um, so yeah, I'm uh, at Jay Quasto on social media. Um, my comedy special streaming on Roku, Tubi, Sling TV. It's on Zumo, waiting on a few other outlets, but it's easy. It's uh, Johnny LaQuasto Physical Therapy. I think you'll really enjoy it. It's very different than most stand-up comedy specials. I got some nice little spices thrown in there, a couple of sketches, intro, outro. It's kind of crazy. A um, little homage to professional wrestling at the end, which I love so dear. Uh, and so, yeah, you could do that. And I'd appreciate it. My album's also available. It's also called Physical Therapy. It's the album version of the special. So, yeah. And I and I encourage everybody to go out there and check it out. Because when I was starting out in comedy, Johnny was already established. We would go to a place called Martini Blues and Johnny would go and kill the room. We would do like the OC's funniest contest and all that stuff. So, I listen, I you've always been one of my favorites. You've always been really good to me. Even when I was a guy who didn't deserve any sort of consideration, you were one of the guys like the, the special people who were like good, who got to go up in the first 10 minutes at Martini Blues, would sit around and, and <laughs> hang out with the schlubs who are going 29th. So I, I've always appreciated that. But thank you. Let's do this again. I want to bring you back on at some other point during the offseason, maybe after the Super Bowl with you guys win it again, whether you win it or not. But really yeah. do appreciate you coming on. And uh, thanks so much. Thank you, my friend. All right. There he goes. The great Johnny LaQuasto. Make sure you look him up. Check out his comedy special. It's really good. He's running really, literally one of the funniest guys love doing shows. We used to go to the Bray improv. We would tear it up, but want to keep it up uh, right now with some of the bears hires. And what I did for you is I went out and found one of the best in the business who was nobody more qualified to talk about Matt Eberflus. Now this young man, uh, even though he's a white Sox fan, he is still one of the best in the business. He used to cover the bears and the Irish for NBC sports. Now he's gone and he's working for the Indianapolis Colts, does a tremendous job for them. The Colts, the Colts organization knows exactly what they're doing, and they went out and hired one of the best in the business. He's going to come on right now. Please welcome to the show, J.J. Stankovich. J.J. Hey, that was a very nice intro. I got to say, you said I'm, no one's more qualified to talk about Matt Eberflus. Yeah. Um, well, I also was a freshman at the University of Missouri in 2007 when the defensive coordinator there was Matt Eberflus. Eberflus, oh my God, so it's I've all been, connected. I've been a I've been a Flus head for a while now, like 15 years. So let's go, let's talk about it. Oh my gosh, so you were like the guy. This is always one of my things. I saw Blink 182 and like Sublime and bands like that before they got famous. Uh-huh. So I always I always carry that with. Like I I'll, I talk about it all the time. So now you've got that with with flus. Yeah. And so, yeah, so that's your thing now. How I, I got to be honest with you. And I talked to, because Johnny was on here talking about the Chiefs and uh, Ryan Poles and everything. I love the, the fact that everybody has the ability to voice their opinions on social media. But if you're, if you're, if your contribution is, hey, he's got the same first name as the previous coach, he sucks. <laughs> I think you should probably eject yourself from the uh-huh. conversation. But how do what tell us a little bit cuz I think for a lot of people they've never they never heard of this guy until mm-hmm. 2 weeks ago till he started getting into the the interview cycle. Can you tell us a little bit more about him? Yeah, I mean, just just first up, I get it if you haven't heard of him and you're in Chicago, you know, the the Bears played the Colts once 
in the right. regular season, uh, you know, with Maddie Rufflus as a defensive coordinator. Now, that was a pretty good game for the Colts' defense. Uh, they held the Bears to three points until Allen Robinson had a, uh, you know, last-minute touchdown that didn't really matter too much at the end of the game. But My fantasy team, it mattered, but yeah. Okay, Matt, it, you know what? You're right. It mattered to some people. <laughs> um, but he he's a guy who, his background, so I mentioned, you know, he was at Mizzou. So he started out with Gary Pinkle way back in the 90s at Toledo and worked his way up at Toledo, then followed Gary Pinkle to Columbia, where he was Mizzou's defensive coordinator from 2001 to 2008, I believe it would have been. Mm -hmm. And at that point, he did something that's really not, you don't really see it very often. Matty Rufus probably could have continued on as a college defensive coordinator, maybe become a head coach of the college ranks. He pivoted and became a position coach in the NFL. I I think he started at the Cleveland Browns. He then goes to the Dallas Cowboys, works with Rod Marinelli there, and then by the time you know that Frank Reich is hired, well, he's already in Indianapolis when Frank Reich is brought in because he was brought in to coach for Josh McDaniels. Everything happened with that that we all know. Right. And then Frank Reich comes in and decides to keep Iberflus on his staff. Four years later, the Colts are one of the most consistently good defenses in the NFL. You look at their numbers, Adam, over the, the time that Flus has been in Indianapolis, three out of the four years he's there, they're in the top 10 in scoring defense every single year. That Fluce is there. They are top ten in takeaways, which is really hard to do. Right. I know the Bears did it in the uh, you know the mid two thousands, but that's really hard to do for that long a stretch of time. And you look at some of the players he's developed. Darius Leonard is a freaking superstar. Yeah. Kenny Moore the second finally got a Pro Bowl nod this year that he's deserved for a couple of years mm-hmm. now. DeForest Buckner has stepped in right away and been a star there. And I mentioned those three guys, Adam. Because if you're a Bears fan thinking about, all right, like what's it going to look like here in Chicago? Matt Aberflew said before the start of this season, something that's really instructive in how he wants to play defense. The three most important positions in his defense are the three tech, which is DeForest Buckner, the right. will linebacker, which is Darius Leonard, and the slot corner, which is Kenny Moore II. All three of those guys are pro bowlers this year for the Colts. So if you're looking at personnel, how they might fit in Chicago, keep those three positions in mind. Those are the ones that if, if you've got good players at those positions, this defense can sing. Yeah, it's one of those things. Uh, Thomas Graham came on at the end of the season, a sixth-round pick out of Oregon, showed a lot of promise. And if he goes into that slot position, I think that he can end up playing at a really high level. So, And there's, you know, the Bears are already loaded with some pretty good pieces as it is defensively. Do you think, though, that this is going to be a situation where they do a lot of 4-3? Do you think that we'll see Mack, and Bobby Quinn with their hand in the dirt, so to speak? Yeah, I mean, Eberflus's his scheme is four down linemen. Um, you know, even in sub packages where they kind of go to a 4-2-5, which, by the way, I mean, the, the Colts are in sub. I think I saw, mm. I think Brad Spielberger tweeted it, that they're in sub. It's like second most of any team in the NFL, which bears out in the stats. Zaire Franklin, who's the starting Sam linebacker, played 18% of the snaps on defense this year. Anyways, yeah, I think you probably will see a 4-3 front. Um, with Matt Eberflus. But that being said, I mean, Khalil Mack, he started his career in a 4-3 front with the Raiders, if I'm not mistaken. Robert Quinn has a lot of experience in that. So from a personnel standpoint, that probably shouldn't be too much of a transition for those edge guys. But the other thing with Matt Eberflus is that if he gets to Chicago and realizes, huh, well, maybe we need to play a 3-4, he could do it. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily in his DNA, but what is in his DNA is to be flexible when it comes to scheme. 
and you know to to fit a defense to the best skills and qualities of his players. So, you know, he might come in and say we're going to play 4-3, but I would I wouldn't completely shut the door on him arriving, getting his arms wrapped around this thing and saying, "Yeah, maybe we do need to mix in some 3-4. Maybe we need to be a little more multiple in our fronts." Um, if that really is what's best for the Chicago Bears. Is that one of his best attributes? Is his ability to just kind of go with the personnel that's given to him? Yeah, 100%. You know, the, the Colts play mostly uh, zone. You know, it's a lot of the, you know, the kind of cover two that obviously Bears fans recognize from the Lovey Smith era. Try, you know, that goes over to Rod Marinelli, which then connects to Eberflus. But this year they played more man than they have ever before. And that was a, a conscious transition that the Colts made to fit this roster and, you know, try to get the most out of the players on this defense. And, you know, it, it worked this year. The Colts are a really good defense. And that that flexibility and that willingness to not be rigid and say there's only one way to do things from a schematic standpoint, I think makes Eberflus a really good head coaching prospect because he could walk into a building and say, this is how we want to do things. I mean, look at, look at Nick Sirianni, what he did in Philadelphia, you know, another right. Frank Wright coordinator where he shows up and says, hey, we want to, you know, we want to pass it here in Philly. And then a couple weeks into the season goes, the strength of this team is in running the football, and that's what we're going to do, and boom, they make the playoffs. Like, that kind of flexibility, you know, when you you coach for a guy like Frank Reich, you need to have that. I think we saw it with Sirianni in Philadelphia. I think you might see it with Iberflus in Chicago. If he, if he finds something that they didn't necessarily think at the start of the season was going to be where they were going to be as an identity – but in week seven, they say, hey, this is probably the best version of this team. Iberflus is going to go ahead and do that. That That is just what's in his DNA and what makes him such a good leader, a good coach, and somebody who thinks about the game the right way. And it's going to be a, a little bit of a departure from Matt Nagy because it seemed like everything had to be Matt Nagy's system. Nothing seemed to be designed for the players who were on the field. So I think that would be a, a welcome relief to Bears fans. Also... And, you know, a lot of the stuff that you hear, like, I, I really need to stay off social media. Don't but what about, but, but what about offensively? Like, what do we think that it's the team is going to look like offensively? Do you have any insight on player on coaches that he might be bringing in or anything like that? I, I don't. Um, but I will say this. I mean, think about the two places that brought Matt Eberflus back for second interviews this year, the, the Jaguars and the Chicago Bears. Both those teams have first-round picks at quarterback who are entering their second years. So if Matt Eberflus is getting multiple opportunities to explain his vision for those positions, which, like, those are coming up in the interview. You you know that. Right. Then he must have a pretty good plan for what he's going to do with that position. Like, it's not like the Bears were the only team that were very interested in hiring Matt Eberflus. And they're not the only team that drafted a quarterback in the first round last year that was very interested in hiring Matt Eberflus. So keep that in mind as you know you, you think about what the staff might look like, that he's probably got a pretty good plan for it. And if he didn't, he probably wouldn't be the Bears head coach right now. Yeah, and it's, and it's telling that the Jacksonville Jaguars are in the division and yeah. they wanted to bring him in. Like there, there's and, a and- reason why. The way the season ended, which we can't totally shy away from here in Indianapolis, um, wasn't the best for the Colts defense, but they still have been impressed with them. Yeah, but at the same time, like I because again, going back to people on social media, like 
I would never hire a coach that lost one game to the Jags. But at the same time, the Colts have not won in Jacksonville since, was it, 2014? 2014. So that that should disqualify a guy from getting a job. And And if I'm being perfectly honest, the defense was not great that day. I'm not putting that whole loss mm-hmm. on the Colts defense. But that's just yeah. me. Right. Well, and and look, I mean, Matt Aberfuss probably had to answer questions about how the Colts season ended. You know, that those would be fair and tough questions. And I am sure Matt Aberfuss had some good answers. Because again, if he didn't, well, he probably wouldn't be the Bears head coach right now. It is one of those things too, but you, you can't dismiss a, a full body of work like that because of one, right. like one game. And I think that... And I listen, I know you work for the organization. I will I love I love the Ursay family. So this comes out of love. I I I feel like, and I'm sorry to have to say, I think like the Colts kind of overachieved this year. I thought that, you know, they started off poorly, but played really well. And I think that's a testament to that coaching staff there. I mean, from a for, this is such a weird season. Like it was my first year working for the team, covering the team. And like you think about I, who was I talking to the other day? about one of their one of the games that we had. It was the Titans game where I was I was I was talking to uh, a couple other folks yesterday about some simulated pressure stuff that Matt Eberflus did. And it just mm-hmm. kind of like triggered in my mind like oh yeah that Titans game at home in week 8. Matt Eberflus brought this awesome pressure where he had Darius Leonard up the A gap, George Odom coming off the edge and Tyquan Lewis the defensive end dropping into coverage. Ryan Tannehill threw the ball right to Tyquan Lewis. He picks it off. The Colts are up 14 to nothing. Lucas Oil Stadium's going nuts. Taekwon starts running with the ball. His patella blows out. Yes. He fumbles the ball away. The next play, Ryan Tannehill to A.J. Brown, 57-yard touchdown. The Titans are right back in the game. And it was just like, what a weird season we had here. Where, like, if that, if, if that doesn't happen, if, you know, the if Rodrigo Blankenship hits a kick or doesn't have a kick blocked against Baltimore. Yeah. The Colts are in the playoffs and the way they finish the season doesn't matter. Like it, it was such a weird year in Indianapolis. I don't want to, you know, I, I could get into that even deeper, but like I, I, it was a really well coached team. And by the way, I mean, seven pro bowlers on this team. Uh, and you know, one guy in Ashton Doolin, who I think should have made it too as a, as a special teamer. Uh, yes. uh, this is a really good roster here too. Ashton Doolin also had a couple of touchdowns. He sure I know did. That- Ashton Doolin, by the way, real quick, Ashton Doolin came like low key, kind of close to being the first, the second player since 1987 to have 20, uh, 20 receptions and 20 tackles in a season. The other being Deion Sanders. Oh my uh, gosh. I had no idea. That's, that is, that is all the Ashton Doolin talk we can have right now, but I am an Ashton Doolin stan. So I just had to get that out there. Hundred percent. He was a that helps no one all star. Like we love him. Yeah, like, yeah. There Ashton, you, go. you can do the Ashton for the uh, you got the uh, punked reference, mm-hmm. and then the second time he scores, you're like, well, we got to change it to how you dueling. Like, hey, where's <laughs> Joey? How you dueling? Because he scored again. Listen, I remember these. So stand. That's why I wanted Eberflus to be hired, just because of Ashton dueling, and I hope he could. But um, yeah, I, I think this was a good hire. I, I think that there's something to be said. I know that. You see Dan Quinn and, and some of these retreads. I think it's good to give somebody an opportunity who has worked his way up. It, it's 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 striking to me, uh, and I made this mistake, and one of my editors with the original content team made this mistake. It's like, I didn't realize he was 51. He's going to turn 52 in a couple of months. 
Like he has put in his dues and is ready to go. What is the one thing though? If you were if you were going to tell somebody like something that we like for somebody who is seemingly a, a anonymous to a lot of fans. Although I will say uh, to your point about the Jags bringing him in. One of our producers is a Titans fan and is like, I'm glad he's out of the division. Uh-huh. But it's, what, what is one other thing that we should know about him so that, you know, when you're when you're battling people on social media, you can drop this hammer on them. What is one thing, one, one little nugget that we need to know uh, moving forward so we can defend this guy? Darius Leonard's the best middle linebacker in the NFL. I know you can say it's Fred Warner or Bobby Wagner or Devondre Campbell Darius Leonard, it, for my money, is the best middle linebacker in the NFL. Matt Eberflus has a background coaching linebackers, and I'm pretty sure the Chicago Bears have a pretty good middle linebacker on their roster. Right? I think so. I think yeah. so. So look at just if anyone's, uh, you know, what's he gonna like? Tell him to go watch Darius Leonard, man. <laughs> like Darius Leonard had eight forced fumbles and four interceptions this year. No player in NFL history has ever done that before. Not even Charles Tillman. Like it, what Darius is doing as a middle linebacker is an off ball linebacker in the NFL is unbelievable. And he has blossomed from being a draft pick who everybody hated into being this incredible star talent under Matt Eberflus. And that is not a coincidence that it happened under Matt Eberflus, a linebackers guy. And, you know, a lot of credit needs to go to Dave Borgonzi as well, the Colts linebackers coach. Mm-hmm. Um, but, look, I mean, like like I said off the top, those three positions that you need are the three-tech, the will linebacker, and the slot corner. Well, the Bears probably have the will linebacker on their roster already, right? 100%. I mean, Absolutely. like, I, 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 you know, I covered the Bears before this, and I saw Roquan Smith, and that dude is so talented and so good at football that – you, you throw him in this Eberflu system, I have no doubt he will flourish in it. I 100% agree with you. I think this was a great hire. I think that, you know, because we had talked a couple of weeks ago when I asked you, like, when we started laying the groundwork for you coming on. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I'm like, it was expected possibly that it would be Morocco Brown and Eberflu's coming in. But we got one of them, and I think it's a good hire. But, I, I again, I thought, like, this was going to work out. This goes into the Bears' history of not bringing in retreads outside of John Fox. They've never hired a retread coach. I think this is a pretty good move. I think that he's going to end up doing very well. Sorry that we stole him from you. Uh, they stole you from us. So this right. is our revenge. Listen, listen, the bears won that trade. Like, I mean, <laughs> come on, getting, getting a really good head coach of Matt Eberflus, you know, and me coming here, just some dope writer from NBC sports, oh. Chicago. Like y- y'all won that trade. Don't worry about that. Well, listen, you've been one of my favorites. I've missed you this year because I always appreciated your insights and thought you did it. You still do a great job for the Colts.com, but you did a great job for NBC Chicago. So we appreciate everything that you've done. Appreciate you coming on. I know you've been very busy. Uh, This was right up your alley. So I appreciate you in the short notice, taking the time to do this and uh, cannot thank you enough. And hopefully we can get together real soon. Absolutely. Appreciate you having me on, Adam. Thank you. All right. Thanks so much, JJ. There he goes. One of the best in the business. Uh, listen, even if you don't like the Colts, I think you should follow JJ on Twitter. He's a great hang. He's a great follow. Um, but we're not done. We are not done by any stretch of the imagination because we do have the AFC NFC championship game this season. So the only way to really attack this problem is to bring in my guy cash to talk about the games this weekend. Thanks for hanging out. Listen, I appreciate you. 
uh, hanging out through all of that. Because people don't realize, you know, like we have a we have a queue, we have a waiting room, but you have to you have to sit there and listen to all that. So how are you doing today? I'm good. I enjoyed it. I like listening to all that. Some great information and stuff. Uh, I like that. I didn't know the Colts the last time the Colts won in Jacksonville was 2014. I thought that was interesting. That was crazy. And one of those losses was in London, yeah. but still they have not they have not won a road game against the the Jags since that time. That was one of the things going into that weekend where you're like, oh, this is going to get weird. And then it was almost the tie and there was a lot of things going on. But uh, we we have the whole offseason to talk about that. We've got some incredible games this weekend. Let's start with the let's start with the Bengals and the Chiefs. The Bengals won earlier this season, but which way are you leaning now? Uh, I, I like the Chiefs, and I don't think it's going to be close. Honestly, I'm upset a little bit that the Titans lost to the Bengals because I thought the Titans and the Chiefs would have been a bit better matchup. I know the Bengals beat the Chiefs and they're capable of it and anything can happen, but I see this game going one way and I think it's going to be ugly. I think the Chiefs are going to win by three or four scores. I don't think the Bengals are going to be in it. I To tell you the truth, Adam, I'm pretty disappointed that the Titans didn't get it done, but after the week we just saw of football, who knows who knows what can happen? You you never know. But if I had if I had to if I had to pick, I'm going to take the Chiefs by a blowout by by a large margin. Is it um yeah, I guess it stands to reason when you have four incredible games yeah. during the divisional round. And I think that the secret's out on that now. I think that everybody is now kind of hip to this. Hey, the best weekend of football is the divisional round. I think it's gotten a lot of buzz. You saw it on Twitter. People talk about this. is Even before this weekend and these yeah. incredible games, everybody started to catch up and like, oh, yeah, this is when you want to be watching football. Here's my thing, though. So we talk about the Bengals beating the Chiefs earlier this year. Did that actually hurt the Bengals? I, I think it did, and here's why. Uh, the Chiefs are in they're, in, they're in what you call a flat spot here. They, they just played the game of, of the year. They just played one of the biggest games. Like, they, they played probably, they, they know damn well that the Bills, them and the Bills were their AFC championship game, and that whoever was coming out of the Titans and the Bengals, the Chiefs would have been significant favorites over. The Bills probably would have been significant favorites, favorites over them. That was the big game, but here's the thing. Uh, the Chiefs win, so you'd think this is a flat spot, right? But the Chiefs having lost to the Bengals last time, I don't think it's going to be a flat spot. This is a revenge game. They know they can lose to these guys. If the Chiefs had blown them out uh, four or five weeks ago whenever they played this game, it would be a different story. I think this could definitely be a flat spot, a look-ahead spot for the Chiefs to go to the Super Bowl. And people are going to say, how could you say that? It's, it's the AFC Championship. Well, it's just human nature. But here's the thing. They lost to the Bengals last time around. So the fact that they lost to the Bengals, it, it didn't cost them home field edge. They got a massive revenge game. They're going to be pumped for this game. I just don't see in any way, shape, or form that them winning that game could have benefited them as much as it actually did losing. And I think that's going to be a big factor in this. And them losing that game is really going to turn their heads, really going to get them in the right spot, get the right mentality going. And this is why one of the reasons why I think they're going to blow them out by 20 plus points. See, I love I love your analytical mind because all that makes sense. And that's that's the heady way to approach this. That's the smart. That's the thinking man's way of looking at this game. I come walking in and I'm like, yeah, but Joe Burrow, like that's my analysis. That is the only thing that I have to offer is that, yeah, but Joe Burrow, because I feel like Joe Burrow is on the cusp of being the best quarterback in the NFL. And I know it sounds blasphemous because Patrick Mahomes has been so good, but remember a couple of years ago, you would have sounded like a lunatic 
if you're like, I think Patrick Mahomes will end up being the best quarterback in the game. Like people would have laughed at you. He didn't start his rookie season except for one game. Like nobody was thinking about that. I remember taking him in a fantasy draft with my very last pick in his second year, like his second year when he yeah, when, yeah, yeah. the first time started. Everybody thought I was crazy. So I don't think it's crazy to say this about Joe Burrow. And I'm like, why not now? Like he just, nothing about like, there's just, he fears nothing. Like you think a lot of the times these guys would get into these situations and be like, you know what? The moment's going to be too big for him. The moment can never be too big for Joe Burrow. He's undefeated in the postseason. He went 4-0 in postseason games in college, including going through the college football playoff to win the national championship. He won the Fiesta Bowl. Like he, there's nothing in like, he's so fearless. Like when people ask him, he doesn't have the right answers. Like when people are like, hey, you know, how do you, what a, he, Arrowhead Stadium so loud. And a, a normal person, like Tom Brady, anybody like that, be like, you know what? The Chiefs, great home field advantage, a lot of respect for their fans. And he's, Joe Burrow's out there like, I played in the SEC. Like there's a lot of loud stadiums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alabama, Tuscaloosa might be like, Jesus, what are you doing? Uh, so I like that. And it, it makes no sense. You have all the, the knowledge the numbers and everything. And I'm just like, yeah, but Joe Burrow. So I don't yeah. know. I don't know which way people want to go. You can, you can take, but I think that we both would be in concert in saying this will be a high scoring game. Yeah. Yeah. I, what, I think so. what is the, um, I'm going to try to phrase this properly. How about, so what did you say? What do you think the total score would be? Oh no. What do you think the final score would be? Don't get the total. I can't say the word total. I'll do the math in my head. What do you think a final score would be on that one? I think the Chiefs get in the 40s, and I think the Bengals get in the 20s. I think it's going to be a 40-21, something like that. So I, I think we're looking around 60 points. I, I really, I genuinely believe that the, the Chiefs will get in the 40s, high 30s. Um, and, and you were mentioning Joe Burrow, and Joe, Joe Burrow is great, and this is nothing against him. This team no. without him, are they're seven-point underdogs this weekend. If he's not playing in this game, they're 14 or 15-point underdogs, right? And that's no exaggeration. Make no mistake about it. That's the truth. They, no. they go from being a touchdown underdog to possibly two and a half touchdown underdog, right? So all props to him. He's a great quarterback. He, he, he's somebody who could possibly get it done. I, I just like this Chiefs team. No, I agree. Like, listen, I would I, I take that as a, a show of respect mm-hmm. uh, because they would they would be like 18-point dogs. 100%. Like 100%. So I think it's a, it's a testament to how much people actually believe in Joe Burrow that yeah. it's just a – I know it's it's weird to say just a touchdown, but it's like, yeah, this this – there's not a lot. I mean, the receiving core is really good, but they still have issues on the offensive line. They got yeah. them sacked nine times. The Chiefs can get after the quarterback. I'm an idiot for going with the Bengals. Like, there's there's no no mistaking it, okay? But I don't think there were idiots for liking the 49ers this week. And I keep hearing everybody talking about – and that, listen, the Rams are a very good team. But it's like I this 49er team just has proven time and time again – that they are a matchup nightmare for this Rams squad. Do you still feel confident? You're sitting there in a 49ers cap. Uh, do you still feel confident in the 49ers this week? Yeah, I, I do. Like we mentioned before, that this team was my pick to win the Super Bowl before the before the preseason started, and it my sentiment hasn't changed. You, you too, as well as I can see. Uh, here, <laughs> here's something interesting that not a lot of people have thought of and pointed out. I personally, I genuinely believe that the cow this Cowboys team was better is better than this Rams team. Uh, I, I really, really do believe that I'd make the Cowboys a favorite over the Rams on a neutral field. And what San Francisco did to the Cowboys, excluding the last five or six minutes, was a, minutes which was a bit of a fiasco, uh, mm-hmm. 
San Francisco didn't uh, didn't score touchdowns. They scored field goals, which is an anomaly for them. And they were still blowing the Cowboys out. They won the turnover battle. Uh, they lost the turnover battle, sorry, and they still dominated. Uh, here's the thing. They've beaten this Rams team six times in a row. The Rams have no home edge whatsoever. I'm seeing reports that the 49ers fans, the faithful, are going to be 65 to 70% in attendance for that game. I'm, I'm reading data from reselling tick, from uh, websites that resell tickets, and their data is saying that a lot of credit card transactions – over 70% of them are coming in from San Francisco. And I think that's a oh, huge no. deal, right? Like the Rams, I, I, the Rams are cool. And I understand they're going all in and it's a great year for them. I just think they match up horribly against the 49ers. They should have beaten them in week 18 when they had the chance to. They would have, I, hope, I, I think they had a great, better matchup against the Packers. They should have taken care of this 49ers team when they had the chance to. And I think they're, I really genuinely believe they're going to regret that come this week. I think the 49ers are going to make the Super Bowl. And you, again, I don't want to echo. I agree with everything that you say football-wise. And yeah. I, I would actually make those points as well. And I, again, though, my expertise sometimes is the narratives. And the narrative of you should have eliminated this team in Week 18 yeah. always stands out to me because that plays into the mindset of this Rams team. The Rams, fan, the Rams players – uh, the wife of Andre Whitworth was coming out saying, like, don't sell your tickets to 49er fans. I'll buy them. Yeah. Putting restrictions on people from the Bay Area buying tickets. This is not something that winners do. Like, no. you are not invoking a winner's mentality. You've no. already given you've already given up headspace to the 49ers. You're already psyched out about your own stadium. Yeah. You might as well be on the road. You might as well have asked them to move this game yeah. to Levi Stadium. Because you're already giving them an advantage. If the Rams would have just came out and been like, I don't care, like put in 100% 49er fans. We don't care. We're going to yeah. show up. And it's disappointing too, because I know, uh, I know this is very weird for people to understand because I grew up, I was born in Chicago, grew up in Southern California. My dad was, my dad was like, you're rooting for the Bears. Like there's no ifs, ands, or buts are about it. But he let me not root for the Cubs. But I had to root for the Angels. I couldn't root for the Dodgers. But yeah, I, yeah. we lived we lived in the Anaheim area anyway, so that was easier. In 2002, the the Angels played host to the Yankees in the American League Divisional Series, and the the Angel fans showed up. They didn't sell their season tickets, and what would normally be a 50-50 split was actually 85 to 15, probably 90 to 10 in the Angels' favor. I don't think that's going to happen with the Rams. They've already lost the battle. They've already gripped too much. They've already made a big issue out of it. So that kind of stuff to me, you know, that's just more noise that is surrounding this game. And I think the pressure is going to start to get to the Rams. You know, Matthew Stafford made the big plays when he needed to. I thought he was very – I thought Matthew Stafford – I thought it was a mistake to let him go out there and throw the ball with 30, 40 seconds left in the fourth quarter. Um, but he showed me. I just don't think he's going to do it again. I, I'm going to take the 49ers as well. Me too. Uh, one last point. Again, I, I, a lot of people have been saying all week, this 49ers team can't fall behind and stuff. I, I, I was a believer of that as well. We saw them fall behind 17 to nothing and they did. They got the job done. Uh, they can play from behind. I prefer if they play from ahead. If Kyle Shanahan's watching this, if you win the coin toss, you take the ball right away. You do not defer. Get in the lead and you keep the lead for the rest of the game. And I really believe you'll win that way. Yeah. You know, and by the way, they were they were trailing the Packers too. Uh, not significant. Not a significant yeah, amount. yeah. You know, I wanted to make this point on this podcast. I don't know if I did it on Tuesday night, but I wanted to point out uh, the GOAT conversation. I'm going to keep you on. Like, this was going to be my closer. I'm going to do it with you. I want to get your your opinion on this. So, obviously, you know, Packer fans love to be like, well, 
Aaron Rodgers is actually better than Brady or whatever. For whatever reason, I will tell you this is why, well, for a lot of reasons. But this, over the weekend, it was really illuminating. Watching the 49ers and Packers on Saturday night, I was confident throughout the whole way that the 49ers were going to win that game. They're going to find a way. They're going to win. It doesn't matter. The the Rodgers, the Packers always find a way to fold. When the Rams were up 27 to three and Tom Brady started showing signs of life, I'm like, they're going to lose. Yeah. And it is like, I thought that Tom, I thought Tom Brady trailing 27 to three was a better, like had a better chance of winning than the guy at home leading by seven. Like that, if that doesn't show you. Yeah. Who the actual goat is, but yeah. uh, where do you stand on that? We're 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 Tom Brady people, right? Uh, I I think he's I think he's a great leader. Uh, I I think he's the second best quarterback of all time. I think Patrick Mahomes is, is the greatest quarterback ever. Okay. I know he wasn't part of the discussion there, but uh, I, I'd have I'd have to go with Patrick Mahomes. And I know it's a, an unpopular opinion, but that's that's my pick. Go with it. That's fine. Yeah. I listen. You'll get no argument from me if Johnny LaQuasa was still here. <laughs> uh, he would he would say the same thing. But uh, Cash. Uh, thanks for hanging out. Appreciate you Thank sticking you. around. Given these insights, of course, we'll have you back uh, when we get closer to the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, what? I'm going to bring you on next week, anyways. You can break down the <laughs> Pro Bowl. Good. I don't care. I just like having you on. You're good. <laughs> Sounds good. You're good. So thank you so much for being with us. There he goes. That was Cash, and I want to thank everybody who joined the Sick Podcast with Adam Rank today. Uh, Johnny Laquasto, make sure you follow him. Download his comedy special. Of course, JJ Stankovic on a very busy day for a Colts rider to come in to give us a little insight into Matt Eberflus. And I think that's a fantastic hire. And of course, cash dropping the knowledge as he always does. So for everybody here at the sick podcast, we want to thank you for joining us and we will see you Tuesday night for take it to the rank. We'll have a special guest on. I'm not going to say who it is yet, but we're going to have a special guest. And next week on the Adam rank podcast, we're going to have Tom Grassi. The Grassi posse is going to come in and talk about the Packers. It was a little too raw this week. But he's going to be on one of the most popular YouTubers here in the the, the YouTube world. But in any event, thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you Tuesday night. Enjoy the game. Sammy, play us out. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Adam Rank on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.